Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 110. Uh, Thank you for taking the time to join me on this one. I pray that uh, God speaks through it um, and it just opens your eyes to the wonder of his word. Uh, So today I am really just kind of wanting to have a conversation. Um, Something that's kind of jumped out to me the other day and just in my own personal study and um, just kind of want to share a little bit about that. Um, I don't really, um, I don't really have a maybe necessarily conclusive statement on this. Uh, more so as I want to maybe kind of prod your thinking, uh, so to speak, and get you to uh, just explore maybe some of the possibilities that lie within this uh, thought process. Um, so I'll, I'll be kind of in several different uh, scriptures and hopefully in this journey, we'll be able to tie together some thoughts, some, some, uh, woven strands, uh, throughout what God has written here. So let, let's just jump right into it. Uh, many of you are familiar with some of the, uh, Genesis account and, particularly the fall of Adam and Eve. Um, I find myself circling back to this quite often, um, but I'm going to read a portion, uh, Genesis chapter 3, starting around verse 17. Now, this is where um, Adam and Eve have made their decision. They have rebelled against God's commandment about uh, not taking from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so now God is is pronouncing judgment upon them for their decision. This is specifically regarding Adam's uh, judgment or the declaration God speaks over him. And it says, To Adam, he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return." Now, specifically in that portion, I want to highlight this idea of painful toil to work the ground to produce food. Now, notice in verse 18, God says it will produce thorns and thistles for you. So, there is a working to produce food, however... In that toil, we're going to find thorns and thistles growing as well. Now, what I want, I want to introduce one word to you in this portion. 
and that is the word futility. What is futility? Um, I don't have a prepared definition, but it's in essence trying to produce or trying to accomplish something, but no matter how hard you try, you cannot do it. It's a, we could say maybe worthless effort. Um, it's unsuccessful. Um, maybe even you could say it cannot be done. So that's really what one word that I want to bring to the surface in that portion. It, it, we have Adam toiling over uh, the ground in which he's working to produce food. However, in addition to producing food, it is producing thorns and thistles. And this to, this to me is introducing us to this, this word futility or his, his efforts being futile. Now, that's that's um, kind of an entry point. Another thing, though, that I want to uh, bring us to discuss is when we think about, th again, this is something that was just kind of in my own personal uh, processing of my own study, but I, I start... I started thinking about sin. What is sin? How would I even define sin? I was revisiting Romans, you know, chapter 5, 6, 7, 8, and trying to navigate this idea of sin and origin and um how certain things came to be. And so I asked the question, what is sin? And I feel like I got a definition that, well, just honestly, I'm really excited about. I love the this answer. Now, of course, you ask 10 people, you get 10 different answers, you get 10 different definitions. But I really like this. This is this is a a definition that just kind of came to my thinking, and I'm uh, really in love with it. So, what is sin? The exercised consequence of free will when self is exalted above God. I'm gonna say I'll say that again. So what is sin? It is the exercised consequence of free will when self is exalted above God. Now, I think this definition encapsulates several very key ingredients in attempting to define what is sin. So the the exercised consequence so that in itself communicates that it's something in action and it's a consequence so it's an 
an a an action consequence when free will is exalted or when of free will when self is exalted above god now we we know that the position that that satan had when he i guess before his fall he served a purpose in the kingdom of god and it was found in his heart this lust for position and place this this exalted place above god and he himself had a will we we actually find um let me uh, find the part here it is Second uh, Peter two four. So um, let me turn here. Second Peter two four. Uh, Peter says, "For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness, to be held for judgment." We often think of uh, there's a passage in uh, revelation i don't have it in front of me but it speaks uh, we interpret this passage that says um and this um i don't know if it specifically says dragon but um its tail swiped down or or pulled down with it a third of the angels well it doesn't even say angels it says i believe it was stars uh, in the heavens we we typically will say that the the devil took with him a third of the angels and i'm not convinced exactly that that passage in revelations actually means that the a third of the angels i've grown up thinking that and and here until recently i've i've always just held that to be unquestionably true that oh it's a, th- a third of the angels fell with satan and here recently i've been asking the question is that necessarily what that says and is that necessarily something that we can assume to be true uh but nevertheless we do see that here in Second Peter that if God did not spare angels when they sinned, so we can at least see there explicitly that there was some number of angels who sinned against God by uh, taking the leadership of one who they should not have followed. Um, nevertheless, they they sinned, and this question of sin coming up when we specifically, uh, you know, for the wages of sin is death. Well, I began to think about that in terms of how we understand this idea of death. 
sometimes you, you may have heard it said, um, perhaps that when God created Adam and Eve, there, there wasn't this, there wasn't an, an idea or maybe it wasn't God's intention for them to die. And though I, I kind of understand where that thinking may come from, I'm also not sure that that's necessarily the case. When we specifically think about that passage, you know, the wages of sin is death. Now, it's not to say that there, that there isn't a component of dying. Of course, we understand that to not just mean maybe physically dying, but also spiritual death, this idea of separation from God. And while that while that's absolutely correct, we kind of embed in our thinking this idea that there is a physical death implied in, in that uh, statement. The wages of sin is death. Sin by way of the law produced death. That says in Romans 5.13. But when we start to think about Satan and the angels that went with him, they are spiritual beings. They actually will not die in the way that humanity will die. And they, so they are spirit beings, created uh, angelic beings who chose to exalt self above God. So they are guilty of sin. However, they are they will not die in the way that we think of humanity dying. So in the statement the wages of sin is death, is there is there more to think it, does this beg the question then, how can we understand this idea of death? Now, keeping that in the kind of framework of your in your mind, recall then back to the Genesis in the fall, when God said, the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And then Satan comes on the scene and says, you surely will not die. Now, we know that when Adam and Eve ate of the apple, they didn't physically die. But something did spiritually happen. Now, again, don't let this conversation cause you to question the, the spirituality of what happened to them. Was there a spiritual death? Was there, was there something that we can't tangibly experience? Did it happen to them in that moment? Of course it did. But in this conversation that we're having, I, I want us to think about what, what more can we or how could we understand this idea of death as it relates to the physical? And is that, is that even really a component 
in this, in what, how we can understand the effect of sin and death. So as we keep that in, in our minds, and, as, and we mentioned about Adam and his toiling over the, the ground and producing the food and yielding the thorns and thistles. Um, next, I want to go to Romans chapter 7, and we'll, we'll read uh, verse 8, and it says this, But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. Here it is. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Okay, so one of the things, and and please give me a little grace here because um, I don't have specific language prepared. This is really just conversation. So one of the things, though, that Paul writes to the Romans here and tries to establish is that sin seized an opportunity through the law, and the law as such, empowered, it gave sin this effect. And, and so, without the law, sin was dead. Now, does that mean dead like humans are dead after their life? No, it doesn't. He actually, in another place here in Romans... Uh, Paul clarifies that, be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But where there is no, um, where there is no law, uh, sin has no power. I'm sorry, I'm missing that last part, but but you you probably recognize where I, what I'm saying. It's not that sin was dead in, in that sin was not, um, boy, language is, it's very delicate to communicate the right things. Language is important. Um, it's not that sin was not present. It just wasn't effectual. So you could say this remember the word that I wanted you to recall from Genesis three futility. So sin lies dead, not to say that it's dead like humans are dead, but it's to no avail, or if you will, futility. So sin had no effect apart from the law, so it was futile. Okay, so. This is a word that I'm trying to kind of capture an essence of this idea of death. Um, the next section we're going to read is Romans 7, 15 through 24. So this is a, a little bit more scripture and um, really try to stay tuned in because this is where Paul starts speaking some stuff. And if we're really not careful, it's really hard to follow and really easy to just 
mentally check out, but it really, I think, communicates this idea of futility. Okay, so it's Romans 7, 15 through 24. He says, I do not understand what I do. Now, as you read this, think about your own personal life and how, how so desperately you can relate to what Paul's saying here. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. You starting to remember that word? For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me? from this body that is subject to death. Hmm. Subject to death. Remember our word? Futility. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, if I had to define this one section by one word, here's our word again, futility. Who, let's try this, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to futility. It's like, oh, no matter how hard I try to do what I know to do, I don't do it. And when I don't do what I should, how I despise it, th there is this essence of futility. And so, what if I told you that there is a punishment worse than physical death? We actually see people choose this uh, every single day. Um, a life of futility, of, of no matter how hard I try, it won't change or um, a lack of purpose, a lack of point and destiny in, in my own personal life, this uh, glaring, uh, naggy voice of futility in, in our life, that is a punishment worse than death. I think when many people choose to take their own life, 
it is many times due to this overwhelming and consuming idea of futility. And in those moments, death seems more desirable than futility. And so what if I told you that the introduction into humanity in futility that is embodied in the the physical uh, nature of humanity. What if we were to understand it as it parallels or transects uh, this idea of death, the wages of sin is death. Sin creates this futility in the human life. And now the wonderful thing, the wonderful thing that Christ makes available to us is freedom from death. Now, does that mean that we don't die? Well, no, of course we do. We will all one day die unless uh, Christ comes back before we see that end, which should make you then scratch your head a little bit uh, as to this idea of, you know, uh, the, this promise of death. It, it almost even more reinforces this idea of it meaning something else, but... In Romans 8, verse 2, Paul says, well, I'll just read the first verse 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, Maybe you can see or notice those um, those opposites there because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, right, rather than death, has set you free from the law of sin and death. It is through Christ that sets us free from this futility. And now, when you hear this, don't, don't think that I'm saying that, that it only means this, that it only means futility. This is just an aspect of what this could mean and an aspect of what we can glean from this idea. Um, so do keep that in mind that this is not exclusive, uh, uh, exclusive idea, merely something to consider and to, to process. But through Jesus, the law of the Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, gives life and has set us free from the law of sin and death. He, he sets us free from the futility and 
He goes on to say, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. So, uh, I just in summation, um, we think about sin and what it is, this exercised consequence of free will when we exalt self over God. And as we think about death and it being a wage of sin, consider this idea of death as this introduction into the human existence by way of futility. This idea of futility. And no matter how hard that we try in this uh, earth, earthland, earthen vessel of our lives, there is this nagging persistence of futility. And however, in in what a dreadful punishment that can be in the lives of all humanity, fortunately, by the grace and goodness of God through Jesus Christ, He, by His Spirit, gives and offers life to any and all who would receive Him, who would, who would remember what the issue is, the sin issue, that self is exalted over God. So then naturally, the response to that must be that God is exalted over ourselves when we would get off the throne of our own heart and allow God to take that place of preeminence, that first place in our lives. Then, then and, and only then, do we turn from sin we acknowledge our insufficiency before God and ask Him to, to, to empower us to reach out and take this life by the Spirit, this, this born-again experience. And so I would encourage you that if, if you have never taken that opportunity to do so immediately, don't, don't delay um, we all require rescue and no matter at what place you are in in your life and the degree of futility that you are experiencing, there is one, Jesus Christ, who gave himself to be obedient to his Father, who offered himself in our place so that we may experience life in in its fullness, both now and in eternity. So uh, do that, um, do that. Uh, exchange yourself and allow God to be preeminent in your own life. So I thank you for taking the time, and I pray this is a blessing, and we will see you on the next one. God bless. 
If it means that I'm close to you I would trade a million lifetimes For a moment here with you And in your house I hold